The Forum at 8 on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's eight minutes past eight o'clock. This is the Forum at Eight. Good morning. I'm Krivani Pele in for Sakina Kamwendo this morning. Retired Deputy Chief Justice Dihang Moseneke's work in the Constitutional Court has been hailed and likened by many of his predecessors on the bench who give stature and credence to the judiciary. Many have praised him for keeping the highest standards and traditions of judicial excellence during his term in office, overseeing this country's journey to a worthy constitutional democracy. The Deputy Chief Justice delivered his last judgment this past Friday after serving the Constitutional Court for almost 15 years. He's been applauded for swearing true allegiance to South Africa's constitution, and it's with absolute pleasure and honor that we host uh, Justice Dihang Mosuneke this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Krivani. How wonderful to be here. Wonderful to have you. I'm sorry that you couldn't, uh, you had to set the alarm for this morning uh, in your (laughs) first, uh, second official day of retirement. You guys in the media have no respect for retired (laughs) old men (laughs) and women. How do you wake me up so early? (laughs) Well, I would like most of uh, today's show f- uh, for the questions to come from our listeners because something really spectacular happened on Friday. We had an outpouring of messages from our listeners, uh, people hailing your work, applauding you, congratulating you. So we'd like to give this hour to our listeners to ask the questions they want to ask, um, to talk to you if if, if possible, um, but also not to bid you a fond farewell, but to show you the space that you have uh, marked for yourself within the hearts of South Africans. I'd like to start off the discussion, though. What was it like Growing up in the Moseneke house. Krivani, I've, <coughs> excuse me, I've talked a little about this um, in the last few days with great emotion. And I always start with my mother. We we're four boys and we had a father and a mother. And I know it's a privilege. I've said that over and over again. I had friends who had only a father or a mother, but we had both. And both were teachers but in the olden Bantu education days, the end, modestly, we lived in a three-roomed um, home, brick home in Uttridgeville. The streets were dusty, but still, every morning, my father would wake up, wash in that order, followed by my mother, one bathroom, followed by me, the eldest son, and the other three guys would follow up, wash up, dress up in school uniform, and we had to go out and work. But most days before that, all of us had to clean up. And my mother would say, clean up your mess, son. Make up your bed, you know. Where's your underwear? Where, You know, are you properly washed up, dressed? And out we go. And we'd come back in the late afternoons from school. So the first thing was, you have to do your part. You've got to work. You have to play your little role. And it was quite strict because my dad was, um, you never get late. Do this in time. Come on, get on with it. Um, And in many ways, it became quite clear that there was no room to duck school, for instance. (laughs) 
And as I said yesterday, I had to clean the front stoop. Krivani, I don't know if you guys had a stoop with red polish. Oh, yes, I remember that. <laughs> you remember yes. that, right? So you have, to, you have to polish the stoop and stand for a while and, and shine it, shine it. And I hated it because the girls would go past there. And at school, they'll taunt me, ah, he's doing a girlish work, you know. And my mother said, there's no girls' work, there's no boys' work. Boys and girls are the same. And I think my, my sense of gender equality sprung from there. In the evening, we'd wash the dishes. Every evening, we made sure that the scullery was cleaned up. So in, and then the books get inspected. You know, you come back from school. My dad wants to see what mark you got. And it meant that you had to actually sit, listen, and, and produce some outcomes. And I'm saying these things because... I think that part of the blessing that was to express itself later in one's life. Um, and then comes Robin Island. Lo and behold, my father, who seemed to dominate my mother, was the weaker of the two. When, when Robin Island came and Everybody was crying. I was 15 and, ha and had to go to jail. But did Dad was begging the judge to let you go. Yes. You remember my dad backed and backed and got into the box and pleaded in mitigation. And the judge said, he's a bad one. Bang. Ten years imprisonment. You hadn't even turned 15 then? No. I was going to us 15 years. I was 14 and a half, 15. As the calculations show, I became 15 the December of that year. So, How does a 14-year-old, essentially, get their mind around going to jail for political consciousness, for having a political consciousness? But, Krivani, I didn't feel like a child. I don't know how to put it to you. I mean, you meet many teenagers, they really think they are there. They, you know, I felt that I'd arrived. And my sense of outrage at our oppression was quite deep. I don't know why, but as young as I was, I could see the differences. I could see that black people were treated differently from white people. I could see the difference in their material circumstances. I could see the play fields and the lawn and the cricket fields and the you know, surrounding the other schools, and our school was a patch of dust and nothing. So, so, so the whole notion of an equal society became very strong. And it's something that I've always talked about. I'll use my energies to strive for an equal society where people can find the space to be people and to, to, to be able to express their dignity and their self-worth in ways that w would support everybody around them after supporting themselves. So already, even at 14 and a half, when I left the synagogue in Pretoria, where the trial was held, I felt strong. I felt like I was a big man, you know, who was ready to take on the task. Got to the cell, first night, lay on my back, looked up, and I cried, and I knew that, well, whatever bravery I might have is 10 years in prison. And I remember calculating what it means 
you know, how many months? 10 times 12, you know, 120 months. That kind of thing, times 30. You remain the country's youngest prisoner on Robben Island. What happened in those 10 years? Yes, true, but uh, let me add, Krivan, almost instantly that, uh, remember, thereafter, many young people were arrested. I just want to put that in context. Yes, that was like early days then, but thereafter, remember the apartheid government right through the 70s? When I was an attorney, I used to defend young people in revolt, younger than me, and many, many 14, 15-year-olds were actually part of our broad struggle. I just want to make it a point that this was not completely, you know, out of the stratosphere. There were young people, and indeed many young people took on the cudgels and became part of the trooper forces against apartheid. Uh, but coming back to it, yes, I, you know, I, I went to Robben Island. My first blessing was I was amongst leaders of our people. I was amongst Shirish Nanabai, uh, Indrus Naidu, Nelson Mandela, Mlamli Makwetu, uh, Zephania Mutuping, um, many leaders, for instance, from the Communist Party, uh, Comrade Harry Gwala, um, President Zuma, uh, Comrade Nyakanyile, and I could go on and on and on. Many wonderful people are uh, struggle, you know, uh, President Nyati Pokela. So it was, so the first thing was I was protected. Unlike a young person who'd been thrown in jail, I had all of these leaders of our struggle. And, and the second instant thing was, how do we survive this? How do we survive this? And one of the initial techniques, of course, was to study, both formally and informally. And I saw that as my survival lifeline. I was going to study formally, get certificated from Robben Island, and I'm going to do it with aggression. Um, I remember, for instance, writing an exam with Comrade Ahmed Katrada, I wrote other exams with Tatu Walter Sisulu. Both were leaders of our people, but they, you know, they were starting to, to have formal, whatever that mm. means, education. And therefore, <clears throat> I had the privilege and benefit of having people like Dr. Stanley Mohoba, who taught me Latin, for instance, on Robben Island, which I needed for the LLB degree. So you can see, Klaas Mashishi was my, my English teacher on Robben Island. So we can go on and on and on. And we made sure that we're going to survive the system. We're going to be better than them. They're our, our captors, but we had a higher moral ground. What did these illuminaries say to you, these great political thinkers of our time, which we only dream of having an audience with, yet you got to share their minds, their hearts, political dialogue, a dream and a vision for a free South Africa? 
How did that impact your life? You know, Kravani, when I look back again, I wouldn't give that up for anything. If you ask me, should he be arrested again and thrown on, on the same Robben Island, I'd say yes. Because here, indeed, you had the full range of our leadership. But more importantly for young people, the full range of political parties represented on Robben Island. Um, and the party political lines became very faded in many ways because they mattered very little. For instance, we had debates about, oh, there'd, there'd be a day when there'd be the history of the Transvaal Indian Congress, and somebody would present that and would debate what it meant, or, or would talk about um, the history of Pan-Africanism, traced right back from Marcus Garvey, right through to Padmore, Nkuruma, up to, for instance, Robert Sabukwe. And you would go on and look at the long history of the African National Congress. So Robin Island was a repository of that thinking. The deeds, for instance, of John Langalibalele Dube, the first president of the African National Congress, or the Dadu Kuma Pact. So these were part of our history, which you never could get in any textbook. But there it was, Robin Island offered this in-depth and sophisticated history of our long struggle. Mm. So I would do it again. We're in, uh, in conversation with uh, retired Deputy Chief Justice Dihang Moseneke. Uh, before we go to the lines, the day you arrived home, you were escorted by the security branch. Um, what was your first meal? <laughs> My mother is a great cook, huh? and she feeds and feeds people around here. Um, remember, I had eaten prison food for 10 years. And let me tell you, my memory of Robin Island could have been pleasant in a variety of ways, except one way. As a teenager, I was always hungry. There was no freeze to get to and open up and feed yourself up. And young people take that for granted. You have three meals a day, nothing but three meals a day. They're served at regular times. The portions in our time, was so small, just, just enough to keep the soul in your body. Just, just enough. So I would be hungry from like, with first meal is at 6 a.m. At 8, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would wait again, and then we fed at 12. At 2, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then 5 o'clock, they give you a last supper, they lock you up, and they go away until 6 o'clock the following morning. So I've got a good 12, 13 hours of a rumbling stomach. Whoa. You know, and so when I came back, uh, what did my mother feed me on? She probably again put a whole f chicken in front of me <laughs> <laughs> with lovely vegetables, and she always prepared dessert without fail. That must be what it is. <laughs> well, let's go to the lines and say good morning to Sianda in Quadagusa. Yes, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, I'll, I'll be short. Uh, about two years ago, I met uh, uh, our esteemed judge uh, in Spa uh, in Palito. 
Unfortunately, I did written an article in the local newspaper about uh, these problems that are facing the judiciary, the rule of law, the evolution of the Constitution. Uh, so I gave him that article and I went away. What <laughs> is important to us? What is important to us? Saubon, I'm doing it. Saubon. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> what is important to us is not, uh, is not to, uh, to, to be defeated uh, by those people who want to violate uh, the Constitution. Even if they are big in South, thrown at the judges, thrown at whoever is standing up and saying, this Constitution belongs to us. The second point, we must therefore call for the reform of the Constitution, where the President, the premiers, the mayors are elected directly by the people with 50% right to record as citizens. Because this type of the Constitution uh, will be manipulated, as we saw yesterday. Somebody was recalled. And who is coming next? Is it Trevor Gordon? Is it Paul Mashiki? Who is coming next? So our our judges, represented by uh, by people like Judge Dikhar Mosanay, have uh, inspired us to stand up and say South Africa belongs to all, all to all of us. Lastly, I think the judge must also help us to make a call that I am a patriot, I am a democrat, I'm not going to burn my school, my university, my public office, etc. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Sianda in Kwadaguza. Let's go to Matsakani Village, and uh, good morning, Lucky. Good, mo- good morning, Kevin, and good morning uh, to my former judge, uh, Judge Mosenege. Uh, 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 good morning, Lucky. Yes, you know, I'm very pleased to be speaking to you and listening to you. Um, I'm inspired. You are my leader. So, uh, Judge, I want to, wanted to please another story uh, that happened between you and uh, the President Zuma while you're in prison. The issue of football, one being a captain and one, the other one I can't remember very well. I'm not sure about the story. And then uh, my second issue is, um, will it be possible for you to stay in the beach? Until this issue of NPA involving President Zuma uh, 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 comes to an end. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Lucky. Well, Lucky, good <coughs> good morning. <coughs> I beg your pardon. No, thank you ever so much for your kind words. Um, yes, it was a privilege to, you know, as, as you have had, to be on Robben Island with many of our leaders. And, um, and many of them came out to serve well, you, you know, in a variety of ways. And some rose to the level of president, like our current president. And I chose the judiciary, and you know I've done what I can as best as I can. Um, when it comes to our young people, I think we should all the time be saying to them, it can be done, it can be done properly, and it can be done without destroying any of these things. Because we have roles, and these roles can be multiplied in a way that would change our society. Lastly, you talk about, well, there's a term on the Constitutional Court of 15 years. And once you've served it, Lucky, the right thing to do is to step down. It's like the term of other offices. It's very important that we in Africa learn that when the term has come to an end, You'll always feel that I can do something more. 
But in fact, when the law says you have 15 years, and that is the time to go, and you should allow a fair process for somebody else to replace you. Gyabonga. Navari in Bombela, good morning. Good morning, Navari. Uh, morning, Justice Mseneke. Uh, good morning. Uh, no, I just want to say, really, you are, you are a true embodiment of the product of our struggle of our people. You symbolize to us a hope uh, in many of ourselves who never thought we could have such a, 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 you know, a, a, a jury in our, in our society. But also the story of your, your evolution as a, as a member of the, the, the liberation movement uh, organizations, it's, it's quite, you know, intriguing to many of us who are still young who still wish to have, you know, the success that you have made in life. But I think uh, you, you should not get lost in the public space. I think you must still come back to contribute to reproduce many Musenegas in this country because this country needs a noble and integ- integral uh, leadership to ensure that we succeed in our democracy. But I think that uh, we've done very well and we're really proud of having a, a product uh, of the struggle of the movement of our people the way you have been in our country. And I'm saying thank you very much in your retirement and you've done well to defend our constitution, defend our democracy and make sure that our country is better and safer the way it is today. Oh, you're thank very, you very much. Very kind. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, and to young people, I mean, you are a young person. Let me just add quickly. We have to understand that we're standing on shoulders of giants and let's grasp the moment in a positive and good way and, and be our own liberators and be the ones who make a difference in our lives. And that difference does not always come out of anger, out of bending down things, out of kicking things around. Look what we did when we got out of Robben Island and some from exile. We understood that we still have to move our society from where it was and where we didn't like to a new place where we hope your lives as young people will get better. The Forum at 8 in conversation with Deputy Chief Justice Dikhang Moseneke. Um, a lot of SMSs coming in. Mtunzi Mamkeli says, Can you please ask the former DCJ, did he consider going back to politics? Uh, that's a question that a lot of our listeners are asking. Free King Dalinyebo says, It sounds odd not to refer to you as the Deputy Chief Justice. Um, Sipo Mense says, Would you consider taking a seat in the National Assembly for the PAC if approached. <laughs> what an eloquent speaker, says Wasim, uh, the, the judge is. The charisma in his speech, indeed, he exudes intelligence. His story is uh, telling, amazing. Um, I have a lot of time for uh, that man that's non-partisan. So, a wonderful array of messages coming through. Um, you made a very interesting point before we went to the news headlines about the role that young people have, that there's a different way of being a liberator than burning down an academic institution. Trevani, yes. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's quite important for our young people to take a step back and think through what do the circumstances of today require of them? We had the same question posed to us. In some senses, it was simpler, but the question was, what conduct should we assume in order to be able to achieve <clears throat> open, democratic, and equal society? So they have to ask and say, what are the issues of today? And in all their formations, what are the best ways in which to tackle those issues? 
short of violence because violence never resolve critical issues and societal uh, <clears throat> tensions um, or contradictions. So, so the, there should be the thinking part of it, and which is discipline that says, which are the ways in which we could influence the current state of affairs in our land? And that should happen, there should be more of that discussion. That's what we did on Robben Island, for instance, to say, what are the features of a just society? And you have debates from different point of views. Some people come from the unity movement and say, this is what we think. Some from the African National Congress. Some would come from the Africanist uh, tradition. Some would come from socialist tradition. So th they should begin to start thinking more closely about what are the optimal ways to achieve the things that, that worry them. Mm. Your guest is a product of his parents and schooling. Um, I joined the queue in thanking the judge for a job well done. Is he not worried that <coughs> racism is still around? Thank you, sir, for being an ethical giant and a shining beacon of hope, that essential ingredient of life in these challenging times. That's James in uh, Limpopo. Uh, Zweli Kuzwayo in Durban says, Judge Mosaneke is a great inspiration to some of us for soldiering on amid adversity and ultimately winning the race. Your current assessment of where we are, do you think that it's part of our democratic evolution, or are you disappointed? No. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we shouldn't be hard on ourselves. We have achieved a lot, Krivani. Um, I don't mean the situation is perfect, but it's quite important to do with what you have. Part of my upbringing lesson, um, you don't throw your hands up in the air and go critical around every moment. If you ask me to run off the things we have achieved in this land, there are many. There indeed are many. I say to some people yesterday, <clears throat> the, even the courts and the functions they do, which I think um, they're doing an excellent job, is precisely because that they're located within a democracy and a functioning democracy. We hold elections regularly. We, we do a number of things. There's room for change, and, and there are good things that have happened even to poor communities. So one, one mustn't be linear in one's understanding of what's happening. So when I look back, I don't think it was in vain. I think it was a struggle well fought. We have managed to have a transition that was well managed, and we have challenges currently. But, you know, a wobble in the long journey is not the end of the journey, and it can be the end of the journey. We have to build in the power to self-correct and just get back on track. Let's go to the lines now. Inak Polokwane, <coughs> good morning. Uh, morning. Congratulations to the judge. Um, I just want, I'm looking forward to reading his autobiography. <laughs> now, the second thing, uh, was there no parole for political prisoners? And uh, could the judge perhaps comment a little about the current parole that we have with special reference to people who have committed very serious crimes uh, which during those days could have led them to the gallows. Thank you very much. Thank you. <coughs> um, let me quickly explain. There's no parole for political prisoners. 
um, I served to the last hour, if you like. I was released no earlier than 10 a.m. <laughs> of the 10 years, as the law required then. And wow. indeed, all our other friends and compatriots served to the T. And that was, that was the sign of the security branch. They were unrelenting. Totally unrelenting, Krivani. Um, and everybody, all of us served the only time when people, when leaders later on were released earlier. People like Comrade Mutoping, Comrade Mandela, Comrade Sisulu, they had long sentences, a life imprisonment, Jeff Masemola, people like those. Then they were released when, with a change in the late 80s and early 90s. But otherwise, and those were lifers, the rest of us, to the last dish, as we often said in prison, you'll serve your sentence up to your last meal before you go out. Mm. So the current system has its values, you must remember. It is a good system sometimes in which you, you like to evaluate the behavior of people, and it's in the hands of the executive, not of the courts. So a parole system is not controlled by courts. Courts impose an appropriate sentence, and the executive and correctional authorities have to evaluate whether parole should be granted. And also the underlying idea is that even condemned for long term, people should not necessarily find themselves in dehumanized by extensive and very long sentences. Uh, and that, that's all, frankly, I'd like to say at this stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, ZD in KZN, good morning. Good morning to you, Krivani, and your guest, uh, the judge. Good morning, uh, ZD. Good morning to you, sir. I, I'll call you, sir, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to bring to your notice that you have an amazing speech, and it just goes to show that, um, you know, you were adapted so well in your childhood days, and you, you grew up a better person. And the knowledge that you have, and, um, you know, your, uh, the knowledge and the, uh, and the experience that you have uh, of your past have really made you a, a, a better person. And I think in your knowledge, you shouldn't waste it even in your old age. You should go out to school. Hey, who's talking about her old age? You should go out to schools schools and, you know, educate our children. You know, I'm sure they learn something from you because you have the know-how. So if you can please help us here, you know, educate them about the burning of the schools, about, uh, you know, all the wrong things, murder, rape, whatever it takes. I think they'll listen to you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, ZD. Thank you, ZD. I don't know about being a teacher again now, but let me tell you, I might might, um, spend some time trying to firm up the resolve of many judges on the African continent and and just instill a new fervor and excitement in the work that's before them because they're an important part and arm of the state. Let's uh, go to our next caller. It's Zizi Kodwa in Johannesburg. Good morning, Zizi. <laughs> Good morning, Krivani. Good morning to the Honorable Justice. Molo, Molo, Kaban. Molo, thank you very much. Uh, if you allow me to call me, to call you comrade. <laughs> you, you, you are an embodiment. You are an embodiment of the monumental failure of apartheid. That when it wanted to banish all of you into some place called uh, Robben Island in Cape Town. It's amazing how all of you, you have changed that situation of adversary in Cape Town. 
and made that that uh, island, that made that prison, that jail. You made it a university. Many of you, one way or another, you came out as multi-talented. You are now a jurist. You use that situation, and it's quite amazing because we we usually shower people with tributes who have departed. You are here with us, an embodiment of what the liberation movement stood for across, whether it's BCM, whether it's Azapo, whether it's BAC and the ANC. Just in terms of the new South Africa we're fighting for, you represented those values of liberation movement within the bench. And many others that represented those values in different sectors of the economy. It's unfortunate that we're now talking about you as a retired judge, and I'm hoping that uh, you'll continue to play your part in a democratic South Africa because not only has apartheid education failed to banish you into some uh, dustbin of history to make you as a, zo- as a zombie, that what Fervut said, that black people cannot do certain things and therefore they must. They, must, uh, they were given a higher, I mean, a bunch of education. You also made the point that uh, you excel as a black uh, tourist. And I think that on its own, it defied the narrative that those of us who come from liberation movement themselves, they can't be efficient, they can't do their work in a manner that you have done. You have been, you have been exemplified. You have exemplified what many of us think should be the value, should be the attribute of any cater who's deployed or who qualified, who's doing his job anywhere else, but we must represent the good values of the liberation movement, that of a democratic, non-racial, prosperous South Africa that represents and serves its people. Thank you very much for your contribution, Justice. I know we have time to time to time cross uh, uh, different paths because of ideologically we come from different organizations, but we have always understood the liberation of our people has always been what brought us together. Uh, Nkosi Zizi, I uh, appreciate those words. Um, yes, and I hear them now alive. I, I appreciate that. All of us have to wake up and go and do what we have to do to make the lot of our people better. But thank you for, co- for coming in and saying those words. Nkosi. Tabiso Zulu writes in and says, Kravani, please tell him that we are grateful for everything he did for our country and its people. May he continue to be guided by a revolutionary ethos, a service ethos to our people, Izueletu. Um, Vuyani Green writes in and says, uh, please tell him that his case, namely ex parte Moseneke 1979 and some of his later judgments are being used at law schools. For instance, Vuyani himself cited the ex parte Moseneke case in, in response to an exam question last week <laughs> <laughs> about uh, the inherent common law power of high court to regulate the legal profession and argued that uh, application in the court follows a character approach, which was also used in the Mandela matter when the Transvaal Society of Attorneys uh, applied to the court for him to be struck off the roll. Vianney has a question, which we'll answer in a short while. Uh, he'd like to hear your views, whether it's permissible for judges to speak out in public or should judges speak in court through their judgments. Um, uh, Norman Mampane writes in, Awetunis, <laughs> Mana Naidu, we wish well, uh, well wishes to the judge. He served the country well. Judge uh, Mosaneke, what is the one case you've presided over that you will never forget that will always have a special place in your heart? <clears throat> well, I was tempted to say something about Vuyani, but uh, you want me to answer that later. Yeah. But let me, let me tell you. I 
always cruelly taken the view that whatever case comes before me is important. Most people assume that those are cases which have, which might have public or political, excuse me, implications. And yet not. Remember, 95% of the work at the Constitutional Court has nothing to do with the big, so-called big political issues. Of course, the media singles them out. But remember, one of the cases I wrote, for instance, was about the land question, and it related to um, farmers, farm workers, rather, who were about to be evicted and who lived on the farm uh, and paid with their sharecroppers, in other words. And there were many of them, and it affected many people who were on farms who were on the verge of being evicted. Um, and the question was whether... Um, their inability to continue living on the farm is something that Section 25 property laws protects. And I wrote my heart out, my heart's content, and their connection with the land, their grave sites, their, their right to be human, to find space in which to live. And the farmer might have the title, but they have that connection. And their right is not only the written one, but the one that that entitled them to live there for long. Um, I wrote a similar judgment relating to the area surrounding Tata, and somebody cited it the other day, where people who had lived there for centuries were threatened with eviction by the municipality. So, so, so there are, I wrote something in relation to Abashali Basim Jondolo in KZN. Mm. So, so somehow those were issues that sat quite close to my heart because I had a home, as you had, and mother and father. And those who were homeless, who were landless, who, who had nowhere to take shelter in order to bring up their children so that we can actually actualize the values of our struggle. Mm. I've written on those things. So essentially it would have been issues around, around dignity, around equal worth, around, um, take cases like um, around the bread cartel, where the price of bread was high. The collusion. The collusion. And, and, and the matter came to us on a class action problem. I mean, that's something that affects our people on the ground. What is the price of bread? So the assumption is that one would revel in the big political cases, but in fact, if you go and look at my jurisprudence, you'll see that one has written and the court has focused on access to health care, access to education, textbooks, access to water, to sanitation, because that is the platform on which young people will rise and hopefully their nation will give them the opportunity my nation gave me to serve them at the highest level. Thank you very much, uh, Justice Mosaneke. Uh, just a very quick response to Vuyani before we take more calls. Yes, uh, Vuyani, I am flattered by the fact that um, so many cases have had something to do with get taught in law schools, both in this country and, let me add, across the world. I've had many accolades from law schools right around the world 
Um, if you remember, just about two years ago, I was you know, elected the Global Jurist of the Year, both uh, by universities uh, in the U.S. and the United Nations. So one has had accolades, and I've been invited to teach right across many universities, both at home and abroad. And when I see all those cases in law books and in, at, you know, in the curriculum of law schools, I'm humbled. What a privilege uh, my country gave me to be able to, to serve at that level. And it seems that people find some value in the judgments. Um, where should judges speak in public or not? Let me tell you, roles of judges, the primary role of a judge is to write judgments. So step one, primarily you speak through your judgments. Two, judges have always been part of the academic discourse, the exchange in the public space of ideas, but about jurisprudence and not about politics in general. So if a judge talks within the context of the law, and usually judges do so by writing publishable articles as distinct from just an open-ended political speech that is not their ordinary role. But they are part of the academic discourse on jurisprudence in legal fields and on the law. And there they would obviously speak at universities, at conferences, and in public places which are structured. Okay. Uh, We've got two calls very quickly, please. Randy in Attridgeville, good morning. Hello, Pivan. How are you? I'm good, and you? Yeah. Yeah, 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 with my brother. Hey, <laughs> Randy, good morning. Hey, Mabua, Mura, Jumela, man. Mura, Mabua, eh, you own us, eh? Atrid, you will get our own Mura. Oh, how long are you? I will tell you, Atrid, and our daughter. Why, one of us could be an Atrid. And I'm happy that I can talk to you. And I'm so happy and be strong. Thank you, brother. Thank you. But you're going to need an, an interpreter now. There are many South Africans who speak different languages. But thank you ever so much for those heartwarming compliments. Thank you. Thank you very much, Randy in Atridgeville. Uh, Advocate Mantula in Pretoria, good morning. Good morning, Mo Africa. The famous Senegabusile. Advocate Mantule, Dumela Matuits. Dumela Mo Africa. Last uh, in Unisa in 2014, you have said these two codes. Let me seek final refugee in these two codes. Each generation must fulfill, must discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it in relative opacity. Your last quote of was course, saying, those, those are not my own terms. That was, yes, I know. Yes, that indeed. is of Fanona. I want you to just relate them to uh, quickly, uh, Justice, to say a, a government or a party gets the people it deserves, and sooner or later a people gets the government it deserves. In, in the light of Africa Day tomorrow, what is your take about the African governments, and the last one being of the young generation. We've been speaking about the young people, the higher education, current status. Where are we going? Uh, Yes, tomorrow is Africa Day, and I I know that uh, it's being celebrated in Cape Town, um, and the president invited me to some occasion there. 
and unfortunately I can't make it tomorrow. But but the, but yes, we should we should celebrate Africa Day. We are Africans. We live in Africa, and in all our different sizes and shapes and looks and origins and languages. We are Africans, and, and this is our home. So that is an important self-definitional position to take, an inclusive notion of African people who all live in this country and all, all live in Africa. That's very important. So we must celebrate it every time it comes because we can't be what we are not. We always have to self-define in a, in a positive and in a, in a right way. The second thing is, of course, all generations must detect what they have to do. You heard me say that. Our young people now, I would hope and like to see them, brainstorm about what is optimal. What is optimal for this time and for themselves? What are the higher priorities? They're not the same as us. We had to overthrow the apartheid government. Theirs is quite different. They find themselves in a democratic state, and they have to define what are the optimal values and things for their time. And, and, and they can't betray this time. They must know what to do, only by thinking it through. Thank you. Justice, uh, imprisoned at 15, dedicated, served your life to the freedom of, that we enjoy here today. 15 years on the bench of the Constitutional Court. What are you going to do now? Krivani. <laughs> I'm going to put my feet up. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to, you, you've heard this already, I'm going to develop a herb garden. Fantastic. Um, the memoir will be out and will be um, launched in, in September. And I hope many South Africans, particularly young ones, will pick up the book and read it and get some ideas out of it. So it will be widely available and I hope they will pick it up and read I'm going to write a little more. I have fascination with strengthening all arms of the state. Somebody asked me about African governments. I pray, I wish, I think when I overcome by emotions, asking God to bless Africa, I really meant the fact that the people of this continent must be given a chance and the space by good governance, by good thinking, by values, that would make us a better people, even before we start castigating and blaming anybody else. So in that way, I'll have time to do the things I always wanted to do outside the public space. One word, how do you want to be remembered? Hard work and, and dedication, I think, to one's cause. Those must be the two important things. It could be a private cause or a public cause, but it's hard work in order to achieve one's goals and ideals. Robert Sabukwe once said, you must be your own liberator in your lifetime. These words have proven your life true, sir. These words have been etched in our minds of how you have lived your life, sir. You have paid a very high price for what we enjoy today, sir. You have lived your life in pain, in love, You've given us dignity and equal worth. We salute you. Krivani, thank you. You're so kind, and thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Forgive us for going into the news uh, two minutes late. Dihang Moseneke, Deputy Chief Justice, now retired. Halala. Oh, nyabonga Krivani, halala.
Time now for the news with Kumbuzile Tabete.